Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Drew Shelley. I'm one of the pastors here. As some of you I have not met. I can look out and see that. And if I haven't met you, I'd like to have that chance before you leave today. Just stop by and say hello. Uh, also, at the welcome desk, we have a special gift for you, some homemade bread and some other information about the church. We'd love to just get to know one another a little more and uh, get started on this journey together. Let's pray together before we come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Lord, we are grateful for worship. We are grateful for each other, for your presence here in this place. Would you send your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit afresh to stir up in each of us your gifts of preaching, teaching, listening, hearing, and ultimately, oh God, doing the things that you've called us to do. Would you be with us now as we open your word? Let it speak to us afresh. In the name of Jesus, we pray. May the people of God say, Amen. We will be in just a moment in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you want to go ahead and find that in your Bible or on your phone, uh, however you like to look, uh, look for the Scriptures. I think if you're following, following along in the church app uh, and the, in the bulletin that's there, there's a link to the, to the Scripture as well so you can read, read along. We'll, we'll read that in just a, just a minute. Well, we're here at Thanksgiving week. How many of y'all are going somewhere? Who's going somewhere? Okay, yeah. Who, who has people coming here from other places? Yeah, it's an exciting time, isn't it? We love Thanksgiving. Apparently, the people in my neighborhood decided to skip Thanksgiving. We've got Christmas decorations everywhere already. I just don't understand that. It's just amazing. They're all up, and it looks beautiful, but we... We're not yet to Thanksgiving, so I, I don't know. I'll write a note and tell everybody they ought to do different. And <laughs> Shannon, would that be okay? No. <laughs> we, uh, we're going over to West Tennessee on Wednesday and Thursday, Friday to see my family. And uh, just kind of on a wild hair, decided yesterday to take uh, Annabelle, our six-year-old, to just go on over there and to do a little preliminary trip and come right back. And so we, we have, I, I fly, and we have a 1964 raggedy airplane that Shannon calls the lawnmower of the skies. And so <laughs> after much prayer and supplication, she agreed to let me take her beautiful daughter and go over to West Tennessee and see grandparents yesterday. So we, we left about 7.45 yesterday morning, got to take off through the clouds, which was so much fun. Annabelle was great. She sat in front with me on her booster seat. She helped fly a little bit. She declared it was quite boring. So, I, you know, I 
that's, that's fine. It should be boring, actually. But uh, anyway, we got above the clouds. Uh, just, it looked like a sea of snow. It was just magnificent. Blue sky above, fluffy white clouds below. Annabelle started singing. She was inspired to sing uh, over the river and through the woods. To grandmother's house we go. She sang that. She said, why do we not go to grandfather's house? I said, I don't know. It's in a song like that. So she sang that just at the top of her lungs. She sang so loud. And of course, we've got those earphones in and her little microphone was right on her mouth. And it, I, I couldn't even think it was so loud. We, we come over the cloud bank after about 30 minutes or come off of it and, and we see the ground and she changes. She starts singing, Oh, beautiful for spacious skies. She said just as loud as she could. I, again, it was so loud, I had to actually mute her microphone. You can do that in an airplane. You just turn it off. I turned her off. I could still hear her. What I did not realize was that all of the air traffic controllers all the way across the state could also hear her every time I had to talk to them. <laughs> And we got several comments on the beautiful singing, and I tried to shush, and I, if I raise my finger like this, it means be quiet. None of that worked. It didn't matter. She, just, she was just so excited to be going to see Momo and Bupa. She was singing as loud as she could. We get over near Covington, and I'm, I'm with a Memphis controller who was quite cranky, and I thought, oh, this will be fun. And so he, after I responded to his radio communication, he said, what's that singing? And I said, oh, that's my six-year-old. I'm so sorry, she just, she can't stop singing. She's just singing. And I said, her whole life is a song of joy. <laughs> and I thought, well, that was a sappy thing to say on the radio. So I said it, and he came back on and said, well, you tell her, she's made my day. <laughs> so it was such a great, such a great thing. She sang all the way home, too. We got close to Murfreesboro. We got here during the, T the temporary flight restriction for the MTSU game. And so you have to be in radio communication before you can land at Murfreesboro during that. And it was quite intense. There were five of us trying to land. And I, had, I said, Annabelle, shh, I can't hear anything and they can hear you. And so she finally, she got mad. She got in a huff like this and she went <laughs> to sleep. Just went to sleep for the last 20 minutes. So it was fine. Her whole life is indeed a song. We are for the third Sunday with our friends in bustling, vibrant, important Thessalonica or Thessaloniki, depending on how you say it. We remember that in, in less than a month, Paul and Silas, the Apostle Paul and Silas, infused by the Holy Spirit, they, they have created one of the earliest Christian churches in Thessalonica that, that in short order will be flourishing in the face of persecutions and all sorts of personal suffering. Paul has been worried about these people, but he's received word from his dear friend Timothy that they are doing quite well. Thank you very much. We're doing just fine. He, he writes this beautiful letter Thessalonians to encourage and equip these folks for continued faithfulness as they go through this hard journey. He has just finished a really interesting part about the second coming of Jesus, what it will look like and why we shouldn't worry about it. You can go to last week's sermon to hear that if you want to. They, they all thought and they lived, even Paul lived, as if Jesus was coming right back. That's how they thought about it. Jesus is coming right back. The people are now asking Paul for a timeline. He has told them what it's going to look like, but they want to know, well, okay, Paul, it's fine to know what it's going to look like. We need to know when is Jesus going to come back? 
we're looking around and all the signs point to any day now. That's what they thought. The prophecies are making more and more sense. Yes, check that box, check this box, check that box. Jesus should be right around the corner. Paul, maybe you can give us an ETA, an estimated time of arrival. That's what we need from Paul. We just want to be ready. That's all. We just want to be ready, Paul. Can you help us know when he is coming so we will be ready? Let's hear how Paul answers their question in chapter 5. Let us hear the word of God. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, 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 beloved are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and let us put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of our salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him." Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. The Word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. Paul takes up the very words of Jesus here. Nobody knows the date and time of the second coming of Jesus, which will mark the arrival of God's new creation in full, when all will be made well. Finally, nobody knows. Jesus said he didn't even know, only the Father knows. It is very apparent that Paul was familiar with what Jesus says about this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. <laughs> he uses, Paul uses some of the very same imagery and the same language, even though this letter is written likely earlier than the Gospels. I think what's happening here, Paul is calling on a teaching of Jesus that was very much part of the early church's understanding of the return of Jesus. In Matthew 24, we can go read Jesus, who very clearly says nobody knows when this is going to happen, when he's going to come back. But in Matthew 24, Jesus does lay out the circumstances surrounding his return. He begins with talk of many false messiahs and wars and rumors of wars. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes. All of this, he says, is but the beginning do not be alarmed, he says. Do not be alarmed. The end is not yet. He continues persecutions, suffering, falling away, betrayal, and I think the most important and most curious statement, love growing cold. Love growing cold as a sign of the end. Love growing cold. Through all of this, 
and from those who endure to the end, the good news of God's kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to the nations, to everybody. Then Jesus speaks about something horrible happening in the Jerusalem temple, the desolating, desolating sacrilege as mentioned by Daniel, the prophet of old. It, it actually happens in the year 70, just as Jesus describes the temple is completely destroyed in the year 70. The warning is that from that time forward, people will claim to find the Messiah through secret knowledge secret places in the wilderness and in the inner rooms, the claim made is that, that you might miss the coming of the Messiah if you aren't constantly and anxiously looking for him through the lens of prophecy and the signs of the times. The Thessalonians would have said, well then, we must be right. Jesus is coming right back. Way back then, they could see all of this stuff happening so very clearly without the benefit of the 700 Club or YouTube videos or prophecywatch.com and all those things that we have access to today. We still, we still have a fascination with trying to establish the timeline for the return of Jesus. I have pastor and teacher colleagues whose entire careers have been devoted to somehow trying to harmonize Jesus in the Gospels, Paul in various letters, and all of the Old Testament prophets, even though most of their prophecies pertained just to their own time. All the stuff happening in Israel right now, too, comes into play here. All of these things that are happening, it's fascinating to read and watch and pay attention, and it does make you wonder, is something big getting ready to happen? Is that what's going on as we see these things unfold? Some folks are alarmed and worried. Some are watching the skies so that they don't miss that first trumpet blast. There is again today a feeling that the return of Jesus is imminent. We feel that today. I passed a church last week. They usually have a very cheerful sign, but they changed the cheerful sign, and they have put now, are you ready? Question mark. Time is very short. That's all it said. Are you ready? Time is very short. A significant change from their usual message. The question naturally comes, what does all this mean for how we live in the here and now, how we act right now? I'm not trying to be flippant at all, but should we even put up our Christmas decorations, okay? Are we at that point? Do we need to ask that question? Should we put up our Christmas decorations? Should we keep our kids home from school and wait this thing out? Should we not be reading our Bibles and praying all day, every day until he returns? And what is the ETA of Jesus? Can we tell what is the ETA? We can go to Paul in 1 Thessalonians. We can go to Jesus, the man himself, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. We have the answer to that question. We don't know. We don't no, even Jesus doesn't know. It is a thief in the night kind of a thing. We don't know when it's going to happen. We just know that it's going to happen at some truly unexpected hour. The promise of Jesus is that no one will miss or mistake his return. You're not going to miss it or mistake his return. That gives me a tremendous amount of peace. Doesn't it give you some peace to know you're not going to miss it when it happens? You don't have to be on prophecywatch.com 24 hours a day. You don't have to do that. In fact, 
Paul and Jesus would probably say, you shouldn't be on there unless you wish to be constantly running after false messiahs leading people astray. Paul begins 1 Thessalonians 5, as believers in Jesus, you are in the light. You're in the light. You may not know when Jesus returns, but you're not going to be surprised, nor should you be worried about it. He said, verse 6, be awake and be sober with regard to these things. Now, what does he mean by that? That word sober in the Greek is nephomen. It means to be calm and circumspect. I had to go look up circumspect. Shannon, don't tell anybody. I had to go look that word up. It is careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. That's what it means. The word awake is Gregoroman. It means to be watchful. So here we have instruction from Paul to be calm, watchful, careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. Now, what we have here is a posture of life, isn't it? It is a way of being for us. No matter what's going on around us, no matter what everybody else is doing and saying, we are calm watchful, and circumspect. That's who we are. Now, I don't mean to sound judgmental, and it does sound judgmental, but some of our sisters and brothers in Christ, with regard to the second coming of Jesus, are not calm, watchful, and circumspect. They are fearful, anxious, and hyper-focused on a set of circumstances which bolsters their own timeline. The problem is that when we, start, when we start living with a posture other than calm, watchful, and circumspect, we are out operating outside of God's plan for how we ought to be in the world, and we are much less effective in the work that we're actually supposed to be doing. I come back to that heartfelt cry of many a Christ follower, I just want to be ready. I just want to be ready when he comes. I want you to be ready when he comes. I think this is the real heart of the matter. What does it mean to be ready when he comes? What does that mean? For Paul in 1 Thessalonians, it means to be calm, watchful, and circumspect while wearing the breastplate of faith and love, love which expects nothing in return that is offered to the world, and as a helmet, the hope of our salvation. It means to be deeply aware of the fact that in Christ we are being saved, we will live with him forever, and there is still time for us to be helping others find this same new life in Jesus. For Jesus in Matthew 24, to be ready is to be at work at work. What does it mean to be at work? Matthew 22, loving the Lord our God with our whole being, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Matthew 28, making disciples, teaching, baptizing as we go. Matthew 25, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, welcoming the stranger. The posture of life which Paul describes and the work which Jesus details here is the same. It is the same no matter where we are on the timeline of Jesus' return. To be ready is to be found calm, watchful, circumspect, doing the work of Jesus in the unfolding kingdom of God. It may just be the preacher's sappy imagination, but I'll have to tell you, if Jesus comes back before I die... I don't want to be found looking at the sky. I don't want to be found 
calculating the ETA of Jesus. I would love, rather, to be found sweating over a wheelchair ramp that we're building for somebody when he comes back. I would love to be found cooking Thanksgiving dinner at the journey home. That's where I want to be when he comes back. I would love to be found helping a family through a rough patch or texting a young person about how Jesus is always with them even when you can't feel it or, or reading the scriptures for family devotion with my wife and children or praying for somebody's healing or, or I would love to be found introducing somebody to my best friend Jesus over a good cup of coffee. We'll hear that trumpet We'll all look up together and see Jesus smiling from ear to ear, coming down from out of the clouds. And we'll say, there you are, Jesus. We've been expecting you. What do you want in your coffee? That's what we'll say. That's how I think about it. What about you? How do you think about it? Truth be told, if you don't know how you think about it, just pay attention to how you live. It shows up there. It shows up most of all in how you live day to day. Indeed, your whole life is a song. Your whole life is a song. Is it a song full of fear and anxiety? Or is it full of faith, love, and hope? Listen to your song this week and see what you find in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May the people of God say, Amen.